You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Fundamentals are bombarding us every single day. And the sort of fundamentals I'm talking about are companies that produce, for example, electric trucks. They haven't produced an electric truck yet, but because of the enthusiasm of investors, they are worth more. This company, this particular company anyway, is worth more than the Ford Motor Company. Maybe people are right. Maybe they're not. Maybe, Maybe things have got a little bit out of hand. But anyway, let's cut through all the fundamentals and get back to basics. And the basics are, in this case... Technical basics, technical fundamentals, technical analysis with Franz de Klerk, who's speaking to us from the Groot Career in the Republic of South Africa. Franz, I think of you sometimes and I think your systems must blow up because the market goes down 35%, it goes up 40%. And how on earth do you analyse such a situation? The last time I spoke to your organisation was your daughter Christelle, and now I'm speaking to you. So this is a fresh palette for us. What have you made of it all? You know what, Lindsay, you know, you're in the middle of the career. We're getting now a newspapers delivered that was printed in 1953. Okay. Um, but what happened to me and my wife, there was something that they invented, what they call the television. Oh, yes. I and we that. watched, yeah, we watched a movie with the name of Corona. Yes. And um, after I watched that movie, I went to my charts the next morning and I did, all of them I drew up and, and luckily it was over a weekend and then I looked at monthly charts. Yes, and strangely enough, there was like a, a you know a software a glitch that you get on a computer chart, and then that. I found my software guy, and he said to me, "Yeah, it's just a software glitch. We're busy fixing it because the Fed is printing some money." But let's come back to technicals, Lindsay. You're quite right. If we look at the charts nowadays, and and you can maybe mention a chart now that you would like to talk about. But this is exactly what happened. We we almost live in a let's call it a false manipulated world where somebody starts to print monopoly money, but that monopoly money is only allowed to go to the elite of the elite. And they make money and they're printing money and they, they're becoming stinking rich. Mm. Where the rest of the world is living in this world of reality and not a movie that they watch, but the reality to say we are struggling and, and we battle to pay some bonds and, and accounts. But suddenly the market has just went wild. And you can now pick any chart and I would love to discuss it because – the, the, the theme will almost be the same, and that will be that we are in a new world, and mm. the moment I hear the word of a new era, a new world, nothing can go wrong, top management will never fault, dividends will always be paid, don't worry, and high price to earnings, don't worry about that. The, the share or the market or the company, they will just grow into that with their profits. Now, the moment I hear those words, I'm getting nervous, but but you can pick a chart and then we can then we can look at it. Okay, I'm going to pick this chart, the S and P 500, and let me give you my personal history of the S and P 500 index, which is the broad-based index, which is probably the most representative, not just of the United States of America, but of the world. Okay, because it says international companies embedded in it. Okay, it went down from 3397. Let's call it 3400 down to 21. 60 or 2170 let's call it 2200 so from 3400 to 2200 in other words 1200 points or more than 30 percent then it went shooting up again and as i look at my screen now 
it's um, 32.50 or something like that. So very close to all-time record highs. So let's start with the S&P 500, please, Franz de Klerk. Lindsay, yeah, you're quite right. You know what? We had the same scenario in 2015, I think, where our local market went up like 6,000 points in, I think, three, four months. But it changed completely. Last our last week, our month, our market, I think, went up by 4,000 points. But if we look at the S&P 500, the, the chart is almost back. And, and maybe I can just refresh some of the listeners' uh, memories. At around the 21st of February this year, I mean that's not too far in the in the future in the past. Mm. There was a gap on the S&P opening up between double three two eight, and it went all the way to three two five nine. So that gap is still open in the S&P 500. So I do not know if let's call it this market of of easy money can close that gap. But what we are seeing, and that's why I'm referring to that period in 2015, we've seen a period where all our indicators, daily and even weekly indicators, are all right to the top. And the simple reason being is that there is somebody that's just constantly buying the momentum. Now, if I look at the S&P, and this is my signal that I just want to warn about, Remember, the S&P 500 will get to a point where it actually runs itself against the wall. Now, we don't know if that's going to be when it closes that gap, but at the moment, I'm seeing a rising wedge. Now, a rising wedge is nothing else than a pattern that warns you that we are almost imminent of a, a sell-off. Now, we are right at the top of that. We For three days now, we just moved above that rising wedge, and we're starting to test the upper band of that, that wedge now, that wedge will break to the downside below 3186. Then it will break to the downside. Now, the big problem with a rising wedge is you sometimes find that it goes above that, that let's call it the, topper, the top band of it, and then you get sucked in with a new rally where everybody says, but okay, we will definitely close that gap that I mentioned now between 3328 and 3259. But if it comes back within that band of that rising wedge, then we can almost say it shook out the weak hands because everybody went in. It was almost like a sucker's rally. And then as everybody think, okay, now we need to push for that last um, move all the way to the top, then it comes back and then it gives us this ugly sell-off. Now, if it breaks, it can easily take the S&P 500. Now, it sounds ridiculous because it, it, it's back to that movie theme of us it will only take the S&P down to 3,010 if that wedge plays out. But mm. your biggest problem is if 3,000 and 2,980 start to, to turn into a resistance because then we can easily see the S&P, and there's some nice support levels here, close to 2,812, let's make it 28. And the big one is, and I know everybody will say, but it will never happen in this environment. Uh -huh. Below 2,710, we've got the, the chance of going all the way back to 2,440. And the big thing now is the S&P needs to get new, renewed, um, let's call it um, momentum to the top. It must get above 3,259 to close that gap. And the reason why I'm mentioning that, in technical analysis, we've got the old rule. While a gap is open, yes, that means that the bears are still in control. But the problem with nowadays with the markets is there's gaps to the top 
and there's gaps to the bottom that needs to be closed. And the big thing is when a, a share or an index move between all these um, windows, it means that the market is completely confused. But I go back to my indicators, and the indicator are stretched. In actual fact, my, my stochastic is stretched from 25th of May, and we're almost a month in 90-plus zone, and that is very, very overboard. Very, very dangerous indeed. I want you to sit down now, and I want you to write down what I'm going to say to you. In the old days, uh, before most of the people that are trading the markets now were even trading the markets or even born, there used to be uh, a market that opened at, at, say, 9.30 in the morning, the S&P, for example, and then it would close at 3.30 or 4.30 in the afternoon, and then it would only open again at 9.30 in the morning. So you'd have this gap. You'd have this time gap, okay? And when I first started reading rudimentary books about technical analysis, there were two things that really stuck out to me, and they were all to do with gaps. Now, the first one was um, if a market is, is trading away at 100 rand a share or $100 a share, it suddenly the next day, because of some good news, opens at $110 uh, a share. Okay, so it's created a gap. And then it messes around for a little while and it goes to 120 and then another day it opens at $130 a share, creating a gap between 120 and 130 And then it goes on and there's one more gap. That's the breakaway gap, France, the runaway gap, and then the exhaustion gap. So three gaps in a row equals runaway, breakaway, and exhaustion. And that is the end of the bull market. And it works probably 93.7% of the time. The other one is the island reversal, which we'll come to another day. But if you could possibly find a chart or a system that allows you to take away the 24-hour trading of the S&P 500 and have a look at the real-time trading, in other words, opening at half past nine in Chicago and closing at 3.30 in Chicago, 4.30, whatever it is, then that would be so useful to me. Can you do that? Well, I will see if I can quickly get it. But while we're talking on not on now, but I mean for another on, time. On charts, mm. I just would like to mention tiny, tiny, tiny thing is if you look at the market between, let's call it, when the S and P closes at night and when it opens up again, let's say around twelve o'clock, half past twelve at night, and yeah. then all the way through until the east is opening. You know what's interesting if you look at that chart, Lindsay? Yes, it is a market that is purely or you can see it clearly manipulated because while the S&P is close and the whole world is close, they move it up one or two points and then they, they entice the East to mm -hmm. actually go in and buy that market because it's positive. And then it flows over to the East all the way through and then the S&P opens up again. Yes, Lindsay, I'm, I'm having a chart here um, of the S&P and <clears throat> and this is all daily candles, and um, so I can see this quite clearly. Yes, what is your question there? Uh, my question is that I want to say, we don't have to do it now because we've got other things to speak about, but okay. I want you to get rid of the 24-hour trading and just try and find a graph, a medium-term graph of the S&P 500 that, is, that just takes in the real time. In other words, when it opens at 330 South African time yeah. and closes at, I think, 10 o'clock South African time and get rid of all the other stuff in, in between because that, <laughs> we to can me, definitely do that. that to me is, is, is key. Anyway, let's move on to the South African rant. What a performer. Well, I mean, what a performer, Lindsay. Um, you know, if we look at the rant, um, we looked at the rant a while back 
and it it almost went up in a straight line. And then we saw a what we call um, well, if we say it went up in a straight line, it weakened um, from January from close to fourteen rand all the way where it went up to nineteen rand. Then there was like a double top. And I'm looking here at the daily chart, and that will be a double top from the 6th of April. It touched that 1939 level. And then again on the 24th of April, it also touched uh, a high, and that high was at 1917. And since then, the RAND suddenly started to strengthen. And as the S&P 500 is now heavily overbought, suddenly the RAND is heavily overbought. And we're seeing a falling wedge in the RAND. That means that the RAND is not too far from weakening up. And if we look at the stochastic again, it's been in this overbought territory all the way from 22nd of May. And then suddenly listeners will realize that that's almost the date on which the S&P went into overbought territory. So the RAND is on the brink of breaking up, and that level is 16 rand and 71 cents. So for the longer term charts, the weekly charts, yes, it can still strengthen. But on the daily charts, we'll probably see a break below uh, above 16.73. And it can easily take the rand back to 17.50. And what I'm getting here is I think the rand is going to tell us when the problems in the S&P can start because mm. this is, you don't always get this beautiful correlation. But this time around, I think we've got this wonderful correlation of a wonderful strong rand. And why did the rand strengthen? Because all the money from overseas came into the local market and they bought up the rand to buy some shares. The moment the rand is going to break that 1673 level, Suddenly, we'll see that our local market comes under pressure and the dollar will start to strengthen and the rand will weaken. So, yes, this falling wedge, 100% in place above 1673, there's trouble. But at the moment, 1657. And if it can break that level of 1648, now, can you believe it? I think there's a lot of analysts that will say that will never happen. But if it happens, mm. if it breaks below 1648, we can maybe see it down to 1616. But unfortunately, my indicators are just too stretched to the downside, it should probably lead us into a weakening rant in the near future. Well, it's gone from 1934 to 1650, whatever the level is at the moment. Uh, so that that is, I mean, even taking technicals aside, that is a really, really big move. And it's just too much at the moment because the rand is an important currency in the emerging market currency basket. Okay, final thing now, and this is old school stuff, the gold price. I can't understand why the gold price isn't at $2,000 an ounce, given the fact that the euro dollar has gone from 108 to let's call it 114 at one stage, that's a big, big move. I would have thought gold would have been sensitive uh, to the upside, but uh, but not a bit of it. Maybe it's just consolidating. Please tell me about gold. Yeah, Lindsay, it's quite interesting. Um, it, it does consolidate, but you know what's the interesting thing? It consolidates above a previous strong resistance line, and that was sitting at 1695 and we can see every time that the gold just go below that let's call it 17 level suddenly there's some buying around that so that resistance level that old resistance level of let's call it 17 that has turned now 
into a support line. And that is usually very positive because what you see here, if it breaks above that line and it turns it into a support and it tests that line a, new, a couple of times, we can almost see that the instrument wants to give us and say, I could buy KISS for more strength. And the big thing for the for the gold price, it needs to break above 1752 to give me that extra spur to the top. And the reason why I'm saying that the gold price is a little bit hesitant, I think the world has been flooded with so much dollars. And I don't want to 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 harp on that because it, it sounds like I'm I'm cross with the Fed. But I read the other day that I think it was the the Bank of America actually publicized that and said that for the last three months Every hour, there was $50 million of purchases of assets around the world. Yes. And I mean, that's a, a vast amount. And that, I think, kept gold under pressure because a lot of investors said, listen, while this, let's call it printing of money and buying of assets is on the go, let's just, uh, let's, let's just hold back a little bit on gold. But if I look at gold, and I'm, I'm going to say to the view, listeners, if it can start to go, we can easily see it go all the way up to 1800. And I think if, if this crisis eventually hits the markets, that the market and the economy is not 100%, we can easily see gold back at 1840 and even 1850. And you know what's interesting? The clue actually lies with silver. Because the silver price suddenly is slowly but surely creeping up with gold. Now, usually what we see is gold is the strong one. It rallies. It, it is, let's say, the front runner. And if that price starts to get a little bit full, the investors or the traders go into, let's call it the second tier commodity, and that will be silver. And if you look at that chart, that shows you classic symptoms of higher lows. And that means that it builds momentum. If gold runs again, it will probably run with it. What's your target? I'm a simple person. You've come up with a great explanation, but is gold going up or down? It's going up. While gold is above that 1.6, let's call it 1.690 level, it's going up. And um, I think it's, it's going to be 100% the play when the Fed's, uh, let's call it, uh, manipulation is over. And I've got the level here. If you, if you just, and I want to, to just say to the viewers where I get this from, if you just... Um, link up the tops of 24 February, 6 March, um, 14th April, and you just combine that in a line, and all the way it heads to 1,848, and that's where that level comes from. So gold is going up, uh, maybe a little bit of a pullback we've seen already, but early signs will be, and I'm going to give you the level, 1,742, then you know the move for gold is on its way to head higher. Francis de Cook, thank you so much for your time. How do we get in touch with you? How do we follow your work? Lindsay, it's easy. They can either visit our website, www.francedeclair.com, or they can even drop us an email at admin at francedeclair.com. But thank you so much. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, excellent stuff. As always, that's Francis de Klerk, Independent Technical Analyst. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.